The San Antonio Public Library podcast team, Tuned In, presents eSports in San Antonio series. Hello, everyone. This is Edward Mayberry with the San Antonio Public Library Tune In podcast team. Today, I have Gina Garcia from the Bazan Branch Library joining me. Hi, everyone. And we have Sam Lozando and Felicia Martinez from the eSports and Education Foundation. How's it going, guys? So let's talk about the direction of with esports and education. What can you tell us about that? So I actually wanted to talk uh, a lot on the high school side, just cool. because I work with high schoolers. Sure. And I know I mentioned uh, last time that we spoke that I have a gaming club mm-hmm. with high schoolers. And while most of them are not competitive players, there are maybe a handful of them that have joined tournaments before. And I have one teenager who is in an esports league. He's in a like a, a minor league within NRG. He does a rocket league. Cool. So like how old is I, he? I think he's 17. So is he buddy? No. It, okay. he goes by the uh username Pyroshock. No. We have we have two uh like top ten nationally ranked players in san antonio i don't know if wow. you that. but are they buddy. 18 and older or are they very I don't young think buddy is, oh yo buddy just turned 18 so buddy okay. was competing when he was 16 he, he goes by the handle buddy rl and there's another guy that works for usaa i don't know if he's still competitive um mm-hmm. his name is among star but if you're looking for you know whatever mentorship or just running a clinic and having them meet these kids that have performed and played on national stages um they're, I mean, they're incredible. They're incredible at that game. See, and so what I wanted to know was like, do you do like informal like visitations? Like, let's say like informal online visitations and talk to students about, um, you know, just esports, what it's all about. Um, do I or will those two dudes? No, 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 no. You like yeah. your foundation? Of course. Okay. Of course. If if there is any value for me speaking to a group of kids and you think I have something to offer them a thousand percent. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's something that I am interested in, unfortunately. And I say, unfortunately, because I'm going to go on leave for a very long time. Um, Are but, you okay? Yeah. I'm, I'm pregnant. Mentally. <laughs> what? Well, congratulations. <laughs> yes. I'm going to be going on maternity leave uh, next month. Bye. But, um, I do want to look for different options to offer the teens that are involved in my Discord channel or um, in my gaming club. So I've been I've been talking a lot to my esports um, player. He's the teenager who helps me with all of my uh, facil- facilitating my gaming club. So while he's running, like let's say a, a game on Steam. Like I'll be running like a console game and um, we have different teams. He'll get the more competitive teams to be with him. And um, I really encourage all of our teenagers that, you know, if you're going to be in a gaming club, I really like to introduce like the gaming culture and like what it is to stream, why streaming is really important with gaming. Um, Just knowing like, gaming edit- etiquette, lingo, etc. Sure. And <laughs> I think uh, that that one particular teenager is just it just comes naturally to them because sure. you know, just teens are teens and when they're so involved in gaming, um 
it's also easier for him to connect with peers that are his Absolutely. his age. Yeah. So um like I would like to offer the teenagers something a little different um on one of my like gaming club you know sessions. We have gaming club every Saturday from three to five. And of course I wouldn't I wouldn't want you to talk for like two straight hours. I mean I think the teens by if like they thought that they wanted to talk for me or talk to me for two straight hours and not play video games first of all i'd be shocked I know. Uh, <laughs> so i'd be lucky to get 30 minutes of their attention if they're waiting to get into their next Fortnite match or, or overwatch or whatever yeah. um but yeah i mean that's i mean you, you tell me what tell me what kind of person you want from the industry and i will mm-hmm. do my best to put them there and whether that's me or somebody i know if you want somebody from the art side or the development side or the competitive side or, or you know whatever um, yeah. i have access to a lot of that so okay. there's the, the whole reason we started the EIEF is I was not a traditional scholastic. I was not a traditional athlete when I was in high school. High school, mm-hmm. the education system didn't really speak to me. Plenty capable, but I, I, I was not I – could, I, nobody could engage me, right? Nobody could really get me to invest in the process or you know, a, a certain subject. Um, I really liked science. I really liked you know, computer class because that came very naturally to me. I really liked um, English, but – at the end of the day, you know, English does not very well cater to men. Like even the literature that we had to read was not necessarily, you know, enticing uh, in my personal opinion. Um, so I kind of became this wayward son, right? Somebody who mm-hmm. could have done something probably pretty cool, but just didn't really get spoken to. Uh, and not for lack of trying. Granted, I had some amazing teachers in my life and, and then they did the best that they could with me. But I think gaming being utilized as a vessel does a very good job of kind of corralling them and coaxing them into learning a skill set or becoming engaged in the education system again, or you know, essentially pursuing something either from a career standpoint. Whatever you're into, if you're involved in gaming, there's a career path somewhere kind of lying underneath and we just have to get the right people in front of them to show them like, look, if you like making art or you like cutting up videos or you like looking at statistics and determining which team you think is really going to win, all of those skill sets apply to real world careers and all of that passion puts you someplace successfully. It's just a matter of finding out you know, what that is to you. And I think that's super valuable for teenagers too, because um, like for instance, I recently, I did a recording for um, some outreach for some middle schools and high schools. And one of the things that I spoke about was, you know, you're, you're young and you don't really know where you see yourself. Oh my God. Let, like, let them be curious. And I, Mm -hmm. I, I, my, my niece is 18 and they had her picking what she was going to do when she was older, like what career path to to Mm -hmm. pick her college courses for when she was 16 years old. So that they could kind of curtail the curriculum to kinesiology for her because she was in sports or whatever. Yeah. How how do you know that at sixteen? It's impossible. You don't, and That's crazy. you know, it's it's like you have all these adults living vicariously through these students, and they're not allowing the students to actually right. have, uh, you know, some, get some inspiration yeah. or just be themselves and really really feel like they have their own voice, you right. know, like I want to do this or not even I want to do this. I think most importantly is what do you like and yes. what don't you like? And then you can move on to, okay, this is, this is where I see myself realistically in six months, maybe a year, but not five to 10 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the take on from the education side, um, as well as, and I'm going to tack on to what Sam said is like using it as a vessel 
So my experience, um, you know, a few years back when I got into video games and like using it as a way to divide the educational divide and entertainment, right? Kids are entertained by uh, games was I was creating curriculum that was based off of Minecraft. And this was before it kind of became super mainstream. And, um, and what's really cool when you use video games, it's like they're already in it. They've been in it. Kids have been in it for years, but really just providing the tools and the environment and letting kids kind of explore that in the means that they know and they enjoy. And they'll re- they will attain it so much more. That's why they say learning through play is extremely, uh, is much more efficient than just reading something in text because you are, you know, being faced with so many different challenges and you're enjoying it. So you're actually retaining the information as opposed to just trying to like look at it and being like, okay, well, I think this means this. You can actually act it all out. Um, And I think that's being able to do that and being able to really, as Sam said, use it as a vessel. Like how can we use that as a tool is going to be, you know, what's important and and really helping these kids um, grow and, and advance and, areas later down the road when they actually are of, you know, career deciding age. Yeah, most definitely. And the other thing that I want to um, relay to you and Sam is that, um, so I- I'm going to be coming back in June uh, so I can continue with my with my program. And um, part of me coming back to June is me recruiting more teenagers to join gaming club. So. Um, I did some research with another coworker to see which high schools have competitive uh, gaming or esports um, already as part of their extracurricular clubs. So inviting those clubs to come into our gaming club, make our club a little bigger than what it is. Um, I mean, we, I get, I get between six to six to eleven teenagers that show up to gaming club. Gets a little wild sometimes. And um, I don't know if I'll be able to handle more, but you know, the more the merrier, right? Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I have problems with voice chat on Discord when we're all just like, you know, playing games or I have half of them streaming and then the other half like playing a game. So I have to prioritize who gets to use voice chat versus who gets to use text. Um, but I, I do want to get more, uh, more high schoolers to be involved with gaming so I could have a program such as, you know, inviting, for instance, your organization to com- come in and talk about competitive gaming, but not just competitive gaming. You bring up a really good point, like developers and like what you can also, what you can also do, um, by just you know, investing your time with video games, you know, you have so many avenues. So I think it's really important for the teenagers to know that um, video games is not just a hobby. It's like you can turn it into something that, you know, can be monetized. So that that would be that would yeah. be a, a great way to introduce your organization to come in and and speak to those high schoolers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, like I said, I, I think me or Felicia, would gladly spend some time with them if, if you if you feel it would be of value to them or you feel like you know they would benefit somehow um i i you know saying that you have a hard time managing six or eleven you reach out to these clubs just so we're aware you know some of these clubs have 50 60 70 kids um you know yeah. mr ruiz from from south sand the guy the, the the gentleman that i helped stand up his esports club he had 106 kids apply the first open 
uh, and he ended up with 75 being retained. So, um, like I said, if it just, just be mindful. Um, I, yeah, I see what you're lot. trying to tack on. Yeah. Uh, and even for us, you know, at the EIEF, we're getting, we're trying to figure out how to structure our discord servers so that a kids under the age of 18, you know, in terms of communication, they're not necessarily intermingling with other anonymous adults online. Cause there's also like a security concern. And I would, you know, I'm just giving that to you. I would hate for something to come back on you. You know, if you start inviting colleges or I just, just be mindful of that. Like you make sure your permissions are right. So they can't randomly invite people, you know, make vet the people that are joining correctly because you can't necessarily merge the two safely because there's no way to determine, you know, what's being said or an accidental message or even kids streaming. You know, if we've, if we've learned anything about COVID and, you know, at home education, kids being on webcams is Pandora's box. Like, you never oh, yeah. know what you're going to get. And that is, I mean, terrifying for me as an adult because, you know, all it takes is one wrong thing and then I have too much to deal with. Um, so, like, for our Discord, you know, if you're over the age of 18, you can communicate in channels. If you're under the age of 18, um, you'll be able to view stuff so that when we're hosting events for high schools and stuff like that, they kind of have, like, a team captain that can help them at the local level organize their matches and they're responsible for disseminating that information. But having, like, one open channel where anybody can chat, like, it's it's just there's too much. Discord is, you know, there's no way to secure that, unfortunately. So I have a question. What was the main goal of forming the Esports and Education Foundation. Um, oh, so uh, really, really and truly, I couldn't help schools as a private entity. It's too difficult. Um, you know, the question question would always be raised. Well, why? What does he have to gain? You know, even if I wasn't asking for compensation, even if I wasn't asking, you know, I was just there to help. Um, you know, it's well, what does LFG want? So it became a difficult to raise funds as a public entity and give them directly to a school if they needed something. Um, so we, we started the nonprofit because now we can act as a catalyst for esports at the high school and collegiate level for, and you know, people like Port St. Antonio and GVTC and the VFW and all of these other entities that want to be involved, but they don't know how to. Um, so when we host a tournament, you know, we're a nonprofit first and foremost. So we're not, we're not doing this to hold anything. We're trying to, you know, create opportunity and people, people have a lot easier time, you know, stomaching that idea and dealing with a nonprofit than if I was to say, you know, yeah, I'm Sam from LFG, give me $600 to host this event for, Title One esports clubs, uh, and then just hoping that that's how it turns out. Um, San Antonio, you know, as a whole, the esports scene and community is very fractured. Um, there's a lot of people with bad tastes in their mouths about dealing with people uh, involved with esports. You know, people saying that they could do X, Y, Z, and they can deliver these results, and that's just not simply being the case. And people get left kind of holding this bag, like, "Well, I gave you something. Where's where's my return?" Um, so that's, that's really it. I mean, we needed a, a, a ship to sail on so that we could use it as a vessel. Um, and I, I was getting so many requests from high schools that I a, can't do it myself. Um, you know, I'm have high school sponsors that aren't even computer teachers being like, Hey, like, I don't know how to do this. I have more kids on my hands that I know what to do with. Can you please like any support? What games can they play? What's safe? How do we do it? How do I, you know, talk to my network administrator to even make it happen? Um, we needed a way to be able to give that advice safely so that we could even support the idea. Um, so it was really like, I didn't want to say no to helping them. And I had to find a way to do it. And I had to find people to help me do it. Like Felicia and Josh and, and, and Allie, you know, they all have these skill sets that I don't have that we need in order for this thing to be successful. So we had to find a way to, you know, 
manage it. And it, it worked really, it, it has worked really well. It's just a way to funnel in everything. Um, it, it's so fragmented, the whole esports community in San Antonio, and it's, you know, everything's just kind of everywhere. So having the Esports and Education Foundation allows for parents, families, uh, teachers, faculty, administration, all just have one place to go to. They can, you know, type in Google esports education, and it'll all be funneled to, you know, a team of uh, of us who've, you know, been working really hard um, to make this kind of a reality. And and it's already kind of manifested beyond what we imagined so far. Um, but really, just kind of funnel and guide everyone who's trying to figure out how to get a stronghold in esports and for their schools, for their uh, businesses. And um, even for you know the tech community here, so it really is just a really, it's been a really nice way to funnel everyone to one place, which is the social media and the website. So, um, so we get inquiries, you know, all the time from private schools, you know, requesting uh, information or guidance or even help for building out these programs. Um, so it really is just acts as a as a you know a a, a point a checkpoint a funnel into um you know where to start um as far as like introducing esports or how to grow in the areas of esports it seems like you guys have a lot going on other than just you know giving out advice or guidance on how to even start a program like that do you have a lot of schools that reach out to you um here in san antonio or even outside of san antonio uh, so I, we, we both have had requests. Um, I know I've seen an uptake in a lot of the private schools looking for ways to, you know, gather interest in their schools um, and also provide, you know, that engaging social environment. I mean, we, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs for survival, like one of the biggest things there um, needed is belongingness, right? To feel like you're part of something. And so a lot of schools are realizing like, hey, there's there's a shift happening in um, in tech and esports and video games, and how can we support these kids and these families with that shift? Um, everyone knows someone in you know in the 20s and 30s who you know play games and um, and so there is there's absolutely from the private sector or the private uh, schools, nonprofit, public schools, uh, collegiate level, like it's. The demand is there, and uh, we, you know, we get requests often for assistance on building out these programs or sustaining the programs, um, and you know, providing information. How difficult is to sustain a program like uh, like that? Like, are you seeing challenges on your side or seeing challenges on their side on the school side? A lot of it comes down to funding. So funding is a one of the biggest challenges for schools, is being able to you know provide the hardware needed. Uh, to have these teams and obviously there's also a, a challenge with having the staff on hand as well and introducing any kind of new programming to a school has a, a, like tons of challenges in its own um, it's a process now that's a bit different for private schools because private schools they have their board but it's more of um, it's more done in-house as opposed to district-wide so we're seeing a lot of the private schools, you know, introducing the clubs and then now wanting to um, introduce actual programs. And so it's really just getting started. It's so new, like it's it's really just getting started and then having the staff and the, the budget to be able to provide the hardware that the kids need and have the coaches and the consistent uh, schedules. 
and forgive me for not knowing this. I'm really sorry. But when did you uh, start this foundation? Sure, absolutely. So it started out in February, and um, obviously COVID has a way of tossing in some hiccups there. Um, so there, so the Esports and Education Foundation um, is still pending 1023 approval. So it is um, in the final stages of being approved as a, a nonprofit entity. And let's see, what else can we add to that? I think there's been a lot of just kind of, because it's uncharted territory, like we're, we, the, Sam did like the invitation to the colleges. Actually, can I let Sam expand on that? Cause he was there in early stages. I came on board like <laughs> the end of last year. <laughs> sure. That's not and a I problem. think he would know that the more the infancy of the esports and education foundation, cause he brought me in when it was time to like actually host essay eight, which is the collegiate event. So I can expand about the collegiate event all day long. <laughs> okay. And my background's actually like in, and STEM and then the programming, education programming. And so um, I did a lot of stuff for like Hemisphere. So we did um, tons of community-based programming, community outreach. And so it kind of like when Sam and I met and I was like exploring esports and being a gamer, like a mini, a gamer for many years, um, like me and Sam being like, what, you're doing gaming and you're doing community outreach and, and education. I was like, this is great. Um, Sam started kind of building the esports and education foundation team, kind of like you do in esports. Um, and over the course of the summer, he was working on some really awesome projects aside from the esports and education foundation. But along the way, he picked up, um, you know, between his friends and then at some point meeting me, um, he assembled a team to put together an event called SA8, which is a collegiate level esports event that scholarships to competition. So the winners take home uh, scholarships and it's comprised of eight Texas universities. And he sent out an invitational for that in August, I believe August or September of 2020. And at that time it was supposed to be, uh, the Esports and Education Foundation was supposed to have the event in person at a, at a banquet hall with, that was also a, link, a land center as well, but uh, with all the restrictions, it kind of became just a virtual event. And along, you know, preparing for that event, which we're still doing now, we also are, you know, taking on the task of helping schools, middle schools, high schools, and uh, colleges build out their esports programs and and whether it's clubs or full out programs. And um, and we are anxiously awaiting SA8, which is February 27th, which we are super excited about. So we are, yeah, we've been going since February of last year. So on SA8, why did y'all distinguish the name of SA8? Where's the background between that name? Is it going I to think it's kind of similar, similar to the, yes, eight universities. And it's similar to the final four. And we kind of did our own spin because, you know, we're very proud of San Antonio. So we did SA8. Um, so San Antonio 8. Yeah, and the eight just comes from the eight Texas universities. It was actually SA7, uh, but we ended up having a university. I think it was University of the Incarnate Word or Trinity. I, I can't remember, but one of them decided like they wanted to compete. So we went from SA7 to SA8. So we'll remember next time around. Um, we might have to change it up a little bit, but we would like to keep it an annual event. And um, so far, we've, you know, we have uh, great sponsors. We have uh, Heart San Antonio. And we have Slackers, the VFW, and uh, Otaku Cafe, 
and one more I'm sure I'm missing, but we have a uh, NGVTC as well. And so they, we've had businesses supporting SA8, we've had the community supporting SA8 and we've had students supporting. So it's just been really cool because it's really kind of uncharted territory, but all us gamers are like been waiting for uh, esports to be like kind of legitimized and seen as something that's um, something that that kind of is not going anywhere. Like gaming is not going anywhere. Competitive gaming is not going anywhere. And um, and many would say, and some could argue that you know it's a sport as well. Um, and so yeah, so we're all we're really excited about it. I have a question. So with SA eight, was it open to um, to all colleges and universities. And when I mean all, I'm like, just it's an open call or did y'all have in mind who you wanted to participate in this, um, competition? So it was a invitational. So we sent out an invitational, Sam sent that out and it was kind of just getting like a feeler, like, okay, are we going to get the interest? And, um, sure enough, it was picked up by several universities and, uh, so it was, I say it was kind of like, it was invitational and then whoever decided to participate um, could. And uh, lucky for us, everyone who uh, was requested did sign up. That's good what? to hear. And um, I know it's eight universities. What's the attendance for it? Like um, how many players per team or university are being represented? So it's about five players per the eight teams. Um and then we also have, and because it is a virtual event and not in person, we've kind of just also been focused on the, the viewership online. Um, so there's been an uptake in that. So hopefully we'll have the universities and students from the universities watching the streams as well. Is it going to be available through Twitch or YouTube? Yes. So you can uh, find it at Twitch slash EIEF official. Um, and that's going to be February 27th at 5 p.m. And, um, yeah, so you can, you can check it out there. And then there's also going to be slackers, which are going to be the watch site location for the event as well. So it's not really in person. Like you can go in person to go watch, but the event itself isn't going to be in person. It's just going to be the stream. And what games are going to be played? The game for this event for this specific event is Super Smash Brothers um, on on the Switch. So Super Smash Brothers Ultimate should be great. And I'm a big like uh, I'm a big uh, Super Smash Brothers fan. I've been playing since like the 64. So it's kind of like one of those moments, right, where you're like, it's like I I knew this is gonna be a thing. <laughs> That's super cool. I I can't say that I love Smash. I actually own Smash on the 64 because I had a 64. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's not my style of gaming <laughs> <laughs> well I will say I I personally like Mario Kart more same um, here but yeah. yes yeah so I'm a big fan of Mario Kart um it, it was always a toss between Mario Kart or Super Smash Brothers on the 64 so it's it's cool so there's a bit of nostalgia with the event um but it's so it's just cool because it's it's more official now and it's I think it's a neat thing that's really awesome super cool what prices would they compete for? So Sam will expand on that um, because we, since we've been getting sponsor requests, um, the way we have our sponsorship set up is there an opportunity for sponsors to add to the prize pool of scholarships. 
And so the winners take home scholarships. Now the amount right now, if I'm not mistaken, it's a thousand bucks and five hundred dollars um because it's two types it's singles and then it's uh the team play against each other and then um like i mentioned sam can expand a bit more but that might may increase because we now have sponsors who are supporting the scholarships so that prize pool for scholarships um increases as our sponsorships increase hopefully that that's, makes sense that's actually not bad at all a thousand dollars i mean you can get a some textbooks with that i know people are like oh textbooks are expensive but you know there's avenues in which you can just rent the textbook and whatnot i don't want to sound PS5. so awful but but a thousand dollars that's really awesome because you know i remember in college like applying for scholarships and some of them were five hundred dollars so i think a thousand you know would definitely be appreciated by a college student yeah i think and the big thing is um it kind of like sets the the tone for the direction we're going with it. And so the way we, as I mentioned, we did our uh, sponsorship offerings was you could um, sponsor, which which is also provide the scholarship for the MVP, right? So the most valuable player can get uh, $500. And then the same thing for the team. So the winning team gets scholarships as well. So it's really, um, you know, this is the first time it's been done like this. Um, and especially through a nonprofit. So it's really like, it's a really unique take. And I, I think it's exciting because it does set the tone for what we can do in the future. So not only do businesses and companies get incentivized by marketing and advertising, but they also get to contribute directly to the students through scholarships and sponsorships. So I think that, and the students specifically um, through this. And so it's kind of like everyone wins. The schools win, the students win. Um, they enjoy what they're doing and companies win, organizations win, and um, everyone at the foundation as well kind of like get their our, their giggles and excitement because all of us at some point were heavy gamers and or, you know, still are heavy gamers and um, we didn't really have that support when we were in college or we were in high school and we get to be the one to provide that support for students and their families and um, really like, you know, let them know like, hey, we're, there are people out there who acknowledge, you know, your talent in gaming and it's legit, it's legit, it's a legit thing. And if we can help you get through school and find the career path in that, in, in gaming, in esports, in design, whatever it is, uh, we're more than happy to do that. And yeah, it's exciting <laughs> for, for us, it's very exciting. And are you guys thinking about expanding this towards um, once things get better, you know, not dealing with COVID, but expanding this with um, high schoolers? Absolutely. Absolutely. The plan is to kind of create these series, right? Like have the collegiate series and create series for the different education levels, educational levels. And um the college one is there's a bit more flexibility because it's a bit difficult to you know give money directly to students that are at the high school level or at the middle school level, and so with colleges it's a bit easier. Um, there's less strings kind of attached to you when you're trying to provide support. Um, and SA SA eight is a nice way for us to kind of test those waters and see what we can do and and um, how we can work with the schools and really make these really great events that uh, people benefit from. 
Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be a great opportunity for high schools because um, it's, for me recently, just hearing that esports is involved in a collegiate level, that for me is brand new because when I was in college, had I had that opportunity to join an esports club at my university, oh my God, I would have been like one of the first people to sign up, but there wasn't such a thing back then. And like, I mean, I was enrolled at UTSA 06 and UNT in 2010, and there was nothing offered like that uh, for a person who enjoys competitive gaming. So to start early with high schools, I think that's, uh, that's really awesome. Not just awesome, but really valuable for them so they can see that Again, gaming, it doesn't necessarily have to be a hobby or something that you enjoy doing after school. Um, you can get a lot from playing video games. Absolutely. I, too, uh, have a very similar story. It's that wasn't esports was really not offered in any format whatsoever in college. And there was video game design, but that was the extent of it. There was no competitive uh, gaming club. There was no esports club. And I would go home after class and I would, you know, hop onto League of Legends and play with my friends and that right there, that, you know, those are some of the best memories I've ever had. Um, there was the competitive play, there was working as a team and the, you know, feeling like, you know, you have friends, like you do have friends and, and these people enjoy what you enjoy. And, you know, we'd play ranked. So like sometimes it would get really intense and we would be like, we have to be on at this time. We have to practice from this time to this time. So there was even structure. <laughs> Um, but that wasn't offered obviously in, in the education system or educational institutions. And I remember when I first saw that St. Mary's university had offered a scholarship, um, and was uh, forming an esports team. I got so excited. I kind of jumped up and up and down. And I was like, I knew it. And this is a few years back. And I was like, go St. Mary's. I was, I was so excited about it. Cause I was like, it's about time. We've been waiting for this. So it's cool to now be on this side of it. That's awesome. I have a question to follow up with the high schools. A sponsor wants to come by and say, hey, I want to start an esports club at my at my school. What advice or what assistance can you give them? Um, well, typically it's the kids that go to the sponsor. That's the kicker. So it's it's as as I've experienced it, uh, the kids decide we want a gaming club and then they go and they find a teacher and that teacher says yes or no. They say yes. And nine times out of 10, uh, they think, Either they're very in tune with esports and they kind of know what they're signing up for, and you know they're doing some due diligence and they have an idea, and you know they're they're trying to just aggregate the resources to fulfill that, or they think that the kids are just going to be playing you know a console after school, and it's much deeper than that. Um, so my advice, you know, initially is to find the people in San Antonio, other school districts that are already doing it, specifically high schools, if you're in the high school space, um, because there is going to be a, a lot of challenges outside of just hardware. Um, you know, that is absolutely a part of the conversation. Um, but once you get the hardware, you know, why are, you know, why is the superintendent going to allow it to kind of flourish and become not just an after school, you know, sponsored club, but an actual gaming or esports program where you're involving now tech and computer hardware management and all of the other goodies that kind of, you know, get rolled into esports, um, you know, working with the network administrator. So just because you have the hardware to play games doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get online. So which ports need to be opened and kind of you know, it opens up this, this 
Pandora's box of fun questions to be answered that are all absolutely necessary um, to really kicking it off the ground. So there's uh, a lot of help um, in the area. Uh, you just have to know where to find it. Um, so far, the, the esports and educate or esports and education foundations discord is a pretty good resource because we can point you in the right direction based on what your needs are. If it's purchasing, uh, if it's, you know, working on your network, determining how the club should run, which other utilities are available to you, like NASIF's curriculum, uh, you know, the, the North American uh, Scholastic Esports Federation uh, is a part of the Sam Welly Foundation. Uh, it's a multi, I think it's like a $500 billion STEAM fund. Uh, and they put a, together a curriculum for all facets of the education space rolled into esports and how it pertains to that. So if you're, you know, involved in English, how can you use esports to, to help kids, you know, be invested in English or to, you know, of course, participate. Uh, science, the whole nine, doesn't matter which subject, there is a space for that in esports and actually gives you lesson plans and ways to engage the students and actually, you know, get them to start reinvesting in, in the idea. Um, so all of that stuff, you know, is available there. But um, there, Discord's a great utility. A lot of people don't know Discord exist and i'm not just talking about our discord there's other discord channels that are googleable um, that you can find based on what your needs are where huge communities of teachers across the nation that are all asking the same questions uh as you are available so um, utilize that get familiar with it uh it's scary at first but really it's just a message board and voip you know application once you've kind of downloaded and installed it it's pretty intuitive after that great thank you for that and what I'd imagine that's gonna happen here um, probably pretty soon, just based on kind of everyone trying to solve this problem of trying to support high schools and middle schools and colleges uh, with esports. I I imagine here within the next couple of years, we're gonna start seeing more and more esport competitions similar to ULI, um, like they do in academics and athletics. So we'll probably likely see something where you know schools can just sign up to this official competition and it is you know kind of regulated similar to the ulis and the, schools can like sign the, up to be part of it you mean the uil right? uil uil sorry sorry UIL. yeah my, of course my apologies no, no, that's okay. uh, yeah so similar to the format of uils i'd imagine um esports is going to be like that where schools have the opportunity to sign up as individuals or as their or as a team and they are allowed to go and compete and there'll probably be an option for them to select what, what, what games they're gonna compete in. So it'll probably be like, I don't know, this middle school is gonna compete in Rocket League and they'll have their team roster. And we'll probably likely see something like that pop up within the next year, coming years where, I hope yeah, so. it will be treated like that. Yeah. And I'd imagine so, yeah, more and more, it seems like the staff and faculty are starting to listen to their students and realizing what their wants and needs are and what they want to be part of and more and more it's gaming and it's it's you know it's 80 percent i'd imagine of students are gaming in some form or fashion and so i think faculty faculty and staff are really listening to their students and they're starting to pick up on that need and more and more i think we'll start seeing these more uh, organized events um like that I, yeah, I think it's been also. all but publicly confirmed that UIL is going to move forward with esports. Uh, I think Rocket League, League of Legends, and there's one other game. They pretty much safely picked all of the non-violent, non-questionable mm -hmm. mediums uh, for for gaming uh, as like flagships. And we'll probably get the announcement. I think this year, if not the next year, uh, that UIL mm -hmm. will be participating. It's it's so big now that it can't be ignored, and that's just the reality.
Absolutely. That is so cool though, because I was in UIL when I was in high school for the cheesiest things like accounting UIL. Oh, that's great. Have you wrong with that? That's awesome. No, I think that's awesome. What, no, what, what's more amazing is you think it was cheesier to be in accounting than to be in gaming. Think about that like societal no. perception shift. You were no. like, yeah, no, I'm the dork because I like numbers and making money. You're not the dork for liking video games. Like that just... The fact that that was even a thought of yours is, I think, curious <laughs> in and of itself, right? Uh, True. But, like, it's so cool now, like, to have UIL, um, have esports with UIL. I'm not saying that it's, it's now, but that it's being recognized. Uh, yeah, it's being recognized. Like, how cool is that to be a high schooler and be like, oh, yeah, I went to UIL um, with my esports club and, you know, competed with a Rocket League. How cool is that versus. <laughs> Hey, I placed second with accounting UIL. <laughs> have like a little green visor on, a little a little pencil on your visor. <laughs> oh God, say. no! <laughs> just making sure. Just making sure. Uh, uh, I'll I'll add on that that a lot of staff and faculty they are of you know the age where at, they played games at some point, right? Like they had the Sega Genesis or the sixty four or the original Nintendo, and so they're listening to their students because they were those students at one point they were playing games. <laughs> and so we're seeing that age where, you know, that the age of the average age of a you know faculty member or staff member in the schools are, you know, were of gaming age at one point and I'm probably still game themselves. I have several teacher friends who still game now. And so that's kind of where the shift has occurred. And, and it's exciting because all the inner kids in us is coming out as well. So and I think it even transcends like the old guard, I think is what she's talking to, like being gamers, because now you have people that aren't or, or adults that really weren't gamers before participating with their kids to connect. You know, that's how esports really evolved was was Rick Fox, this prominent basketball player, trying to figure out a way to connect with his son who liked video games. And he may have not been into it, but he wanted to be there for him. So he started to figure out, you know, what logical lines could he attach to it? And he he mirrored basketball to esports. I mean, that's that was legitimately part of its legitimately part of its evolution. So you're, you're taking kids that may not, again, be involved in like physical sports. They may not be interested in basketball, but what does basketball teach you? Some tremendously important fundamental lessons in life, the nature of teamwork, right? The value of it, potentially leadership, depending on what your position is, um, you know, managing yourself and your emotions in the heat of a competition and, and what that, you know, how does that translate to real life? Well, somebody who may not be interested in traditional sports may never have access to that. But through gaming, again, you're reaching to an entirely dim different demographic. Um, so there's all of that value kind of rolled in. And it's, you know, not necessarily at the surface. But for me, I think that is tremendously important because you're now broadening the scope of people that may otherwise be introverts or may otherwise just not be interested in that stuff. And they're now walking into career paths with the same skill sets, which to me is incredibly valuable. I agree 100%. I've just, as a lifetime gamer, I had the Atari 64, Atari 2600, Commodore 64, all the way up to the consoles now. So playing video games in the past, where it was sort of, you know, why are you doing most of your time playing video games? You'd go outside, play sports, something like that. And now that it's accepted as a sport, it's, it's just a full circle. And it's wonderful that we have that now. It's Asia has its own Olympics for esports. Just to conceptualize that, they have their own Olympics where people go and compete. So, I mean, esports is everywhere. It's not as big in the United States just yet, but 
it's coming and it's it'll be here soon. There. So it's, you know, uh, I think a lot of people see the writing on the wall and that's why they're trying to learn and indoctrinate themselves into the culture, into the community to better understand, uh, even from a marketing standpoint, right? Uh, Port San Antonio, GBTC, they're looking to, to brand themselves in the eyes of these students that are going to be graduating because they're their next iteration of workforce. And how do you get in front of them? There's, I mean, most kids are hardwired not to look at Twitter. They're hardwired not to look at Instagram, right? They're, they're very precise in which media they digest. So now you have to find them where they are. And gaming is one of those places. If you want tech savvy, capable students, you got to go to where they're going to gather. I agree. Thank you so much for this conversation. Nasa Knowledge, we know that your foundation is doing wonderful things out there. And you're going to continue doing wonderful things. Before we close out, can you add in or plugs or your Discord channel, your website before we leave and promote your event coming up in February? Um, yeah, so um, definitely reach out to us at eief.org. That's our domain on there. We have our contact page, so you can contact us directly. Eventually, we'll have our Discord up and open to the public. We have it closed right now until we get the roles figured out. Um, our event coming up in February, it's on February 28th. It's going to be a collegiate invitational for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Uh, it's two events, so you have 1v1, you have solos, and then you have team battles. So we've invited eight colleges out to kind of compete with that are in and around San Antonio. Uh, joining us is going to be UTSA, uh, Texas A&M San Antonio, Shriner University, University of Austin, University of Houston, uh, Trinity University, University of Rio Grande Valley, and University of Incarnate Word. And Incarnate Word. That's the eighth. That's right. So they've all kind of been selecting their teams and they're going to be meeting it out. Uh, we're going to be hosting it on Twitch at twitch.tv slash EIEF official. Uh, that's also our tag on all social media, Twitter, Instagram. So definitely look for it there. Um, and hopefully, you know, we'll, you'll be seeing more of us and we get to, to grow some events like this and finally get the high school kids involved. That's great. Thank you so much. Awesome doing great work also the vfw work is also great so we just really appreciate what you're doing for the community in san antonio hey thanks for listening and get connected on mysapple.org with twitter facebook youtube snapchat pinterest Flickr, instagram and follow tuned in on soundcloud itunes and google play music